Before the Heenany prayer, I want to tell you the story of a young boy named Michael Levin. Michael was born in Philadelphia in 1984. A traditional, normal kid, as his mom would explain. He was very active in his synagogue. He went to all the USY programs, United Synagogue Youth Programs. And when he was in high school, he decided to do a semester abroad at the Alexander Muss High School in Israel. And when he was there, he fell in love with the land, he fell in love with the people, fell in love with his connection to our country. It was on top of Mount Herzl, the military cemetery, where he stood at the grave of Yoni Netanyahu, the hero of Entebbe from 1976. And he was touched by a particular letter that read as follows by Yoni. By past, I mean not only my own past, but the way in which I see myself as an inseparable part, a link in the chain of our existence and in Israel's independence. Michael read this at Yoni Netanyahu's grave, the hero of Entebbe, the only Israeli to die in that rescue attack. And he felt a sense of duty felt a sense of purpose and calling he had never felt before in his life. So in 2003, Michael made Aliyah. He began studying in a kibbutz called Kibbutz Yavne, and Michael's dream was to join the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces. He had gone to the recruitment and enrollment center, and he was missing some paperwork. So they sent him away. And in sending him away, some of the bureaucracy there meant he couldn't enlist or enroll for another month to six weeks. But Michael was undeterred. He went through a back door, got on top of a trash can, and climbed up a second floor window to go into the recruitment center. And there, one of the mifakeds, one of the commanders, saw him and started laughing to himself. And he said, you know what, so many people try and get out of army duty, you're trying to get in it, we'll figure out a way to get through this paperwork. He enrolled and he enlisted Michael in the IDF. Michael became a Tzanchan, a paratrooper, part of the elite unit in Israel. They wear the red berets and they wear red boots. He was a little guy, all of five foot six, about 140 pounds, but he had heart, determination, and fight. Most of all, he had a lot of love. He had made friends all over the country, but he was what was called a Chayal Bodeid, a soldier who was alone. When soldiers get a break from the army, they normally go back to their family. Whether they live in the north or the south, Jerusalem or Tel Aviv, they go and they spend the holiday, they spend Shabbat with them. But his family lived in Philadelphia. So he was what's called a lone soldier. And lone soldiers are sometimes embraced by others, but their family's not there. When they get a weekend off, they don't get to reunite with their mom and have their laundry done. They fend for themselves. So Michael was a lone soldier. Michael loved defending the land of Israel. In late June of 2006, he was on a one-month break from his platoon. So he decided to come home and surprise his parents. Being a little person, he talked to his sister, and he got inside a UPS box. They taped it up. His sister rang the doorbell and ran away. And it said package. And the mother tried to move it. It was too big. And he popped out and said surprise. They had no idea that he was coming home. She cried and she hugged and she kissed. And he had a great vacation at home for two weeks. 
but he was supposed to be home for a month. You see, in 2006, when Michael was home, there were two attacks that happened. One, which was the capture of Gilad Shalit near Gaza, and the other was the attack by Hezbollah of Ehud Goldwasser and Eldad Regev, of two Israeli soldiers from undisputed Israeli territory by Hezbollah. Instantly, Ehud Olmert, the prime minister at the time, sent Israel into Lebanon to try and retrieve them and began the second Lebanon war. When Michael had read the accounts in the news and when Michael had heard that his platoon was being sent up, within hours he packed his bags and he went home, home to Israel. He kissed his mother and his father goodbye and he says, I'm going back to Eretz Israel. I can't sit here and watch TV in a couch with all the luxuries of America while my brothers and sisters are fighting in Lebanon. This is my family. His parents didn't question him for a second. They drove him to the airport. He landed and within hours he had geared up and joined his platoon in northern Lebanon. A few days into the fighting, Michael was a good warrior. He was shot by a sniper and killed instantly. His best friend recounts that he saw him and he knew he was dead. He took the kippah off of his head from his helmet. His friend put his kippah on. He held him and kissed him and he said, he said the Shema. And then all of his friends gathered him up, put him on a stretcher and they carried him through very dangerous territory and terrain out of Lebanon and eventually to Mount Herzl where he had told his parents just a few days before that if anything had ever happened to him, that's where he wanted to be buried. His parents got the terrible news and they flew immediately to Israel. His mother and his father were absolutely distraught as to whether or not he should be buried in Israel and follow his wishes because they were afraid no one would be there to visit him. In Philadelphia, where he was from, he had family. They arrived at night, and there's a custom that happens only in Israel amongst the Jewish people, and that burials can happen at night. They got to Har Herzl, and they were very afraid. Very afraid there wouldn't be enough people, because they had no family in all of Israel to say the Kaddish. There wouldn't be even ten people. They came right from the airport, in pain and distraught. They arrived at Mount Herzl Cemetery, and there they saw throngs of people, literally two to three thousand people gathered. The family couldn't help but think that there were multiple funerals happening for other soldiers who have fallen. And when they got to the graveside, they realized that everyone had come for Michael. They came because he had touched that many lives in such a short time of living in Israel. And they came because the government and the people of Israel think that a chayal bodeid, a lone soldier, is not a lone soldier, but is everyone's son and daughter, everyone's brother and sister. When his parents saw those thousands of people gathered at his graveside, they knew they had made the right decision. They were comforted by the people of Israel. And when the head of government, Ehud Olmert, said to them at the funeral, Michael is your son and he is our son, they had a great sense of consolation during their most unbelievable and painful hour. A few months later, one of the Levin's family members went to Michael's gravesite to visit. It was Friday afternoon, and there there was a young man sitting, drinking coffee, literally sitting on the grave. This family member, who was a dear friend, 
said, how dare you sit on his grave like this? What are you doing here? And the young boy retorted, he says, Michael was my dearest friend. We would have coffee every Friday afternoon and talk about life, about Israel, about Judaism, about our dreams and aspirations. So I try and come here every Friday and have coffee with my friend Michael. That woman obviously felt terrible for her rebuke, and she realized at that moment. What she realized was was that was the place for Michael to be. There was a book written about Michael, and it's called Acharai, which means after me. Those are the words of the Israeli army. Follow me. Because in the Israeli army, all the generals, all the leaders, they lead the way. They don't send the young privates in front of them. They raise their hands up and they say, Hineni, here I am. I'm here. I'm here for you. And the reason that I share this story with you is that there is no greater sign of humility, no greater sign of something bigger than you, than your willingness to serve a country because you believe in it and you love in it. And that's what this young man did. He was infected positively by Israel and it was bigger than he was. And he sacrificed for it. And the people of Israel, they understand this as well. And that's the very reason why they gathered as a whole, thousands of them, in the middle of their busy days and their busy lives, to pay tribute to some of them, the person they've never met before. Because a lone soldier is all of their soldiers. A lone soldier is their son and their daughter. And that's what comes through. A sense of selflessness, a sense of incredible humility, and a sense of saying, here I am. On page 279, the Hineni prayer starts off with those very words. Here I am. Hineni ha'ani mamas. I come to you in humility and in humbleness. And I seek you, God, to hear my prayer. My twofold bracha for us is that we remember the humility of men and women like Michael, who give of themselves, and men and women like those Israelis who come to pay love to a family in their time of need, because that's the most that they could give at that moment. May we search in ourselves for that level of humility to say, Hineni, here I am. May Michael's soul forever rest in peace. Amen. We rise as the ark is open, Hineni 279. Hineni hanimimas nirash venifachad mipachad yoshev tihilot Yisrael bati laamod ulitchanen lifanecha alamcha Yisrael asher shalchuni afalbi sheini chedai vehagun lechach lachen. אבקש ממך, אלוהי אברהם, אלוהי יצחק, אלוהי יעקב, אדוני, אדוני, אל רחום וחנון, אלוהי ישראל, שדי איום ונורא, היינה מצליח דרכי, אשר אני הולך, לעמוד ולבקש רחמים עלי ועל Shohol 
ועל יבושו הם בי ועל אבוש אני בהם. קבל תפילתי כתפילת זקן ורגיל ופרקו נאה וזקנו מגודל וכולו נעים ומעורב ודעת עם הבריות. ותיגר בשטן לבל יסטינני והנה דילוגנו עליך אהבה ועל כל פשעים תכסה באהבה כל צרות ורעות הפוך נא לנו ולכל ישראל לששון ולשמחה לחיים ולשלום האמת והשלום אהבו ולא יהי שום מכשול לתפילתי ויהי רצון מלפניך אדוני אלוהי אברהם יצחק ויעקב האל הגדול הגיבור והנורא אל עליון אהיה אשר אהיה שכל המלאכים שהם מעלי תפילות יביאו תפילתי לפני כיסאי כבודיך ויציגו אותה לפניך ועבור כל הצדיקים והחסידים התמימים והישרים ובעבור כבוד שמך הגדול והנורא כי אתה שומע אתה שומע אתה שומע תפילת עמך ישראל ורחמים ברוך אתה שומע תפילה The ark is closed. We remain standing and turn back to page 266 for the Chatsi Kaddish. Yit Gadahal Vit Kadahash Shemei Rabaha בעלמה דברה חירותי, וימליך מלכותי, בחייך חון ומיומי חון, ובחיי דכל בית ישראל, בגלה ובזמן קריב וימרו אמן. יהי שמי רבה מבורך לעולם ולעולמי עולמיה יתברך יתבורך וישתבח ויתפואר ויתרומם ויתנשא ויתהדר ויתעלה ויתעלה שמי דקודשה וריחו לעילה ולעילה מן כל ברכתה ושירתה תושבחתה ונחמתה דמירן בעלמה 
Something happened in my house that doesn't happen very often. I lost power of the remote control to Dory. <laughs> very rarely, but as often as Rosh Hashanah. And we were sitting on the couch a summer day. Eve was away at camp. It was around 9.30, and she got to pick the show. And she chose this show called Hoarders. You ever see this show? <laughs> Crazy stuff. Makes you feel better about stuff going on in your life when you see these people who are just taking everything they can. They can't even enter their own house because they can't get rid of anything. My best friend, dear rabbi in Las Vegas, Felipe Goodman, he, um, he's gotten into this Tai Chi. He does Tai Chi every day. He was a really big guy, lost a significant amount of weight doing this, and he just went to his Tai Chi master's palace in China. And he asked them, you know, what is the source of what they do every day? And his Tai Chi master said to him, we don't carry any spiritual baggage with us. We empty it all out. And we're able to focus each and every day so that our exercises, our life is all clear. It's all empty. Because if you're carrying around baggage with you every day of greed, of guilt, of regret, of anger, how could you be a healthy person? That baggage is your weight. Well, I don't know if that's literal or figurative. I don't know what that's about. But I think it's true that we are spiritual hoarders. We come here with a lot of baggage, a lot of stuff going on in our lives. And we don't check it at the door. We don't check it in our car. We bring it with us. And we have a responsibility, especially at this time when we're about to say the silent Amidah, to do what Felipe's Tai Chi master tells us to do. Get rid of everything. You'll notice in that show, Hoarders, which I had to watch the entire episode of, and of course I had to maximize it by talking to you about it today. I wasn't going to just let it be a moment. In that show, they don't tell everyone to get rid of everything. They tell them to keep the essentials. Keep the things that matter most, and the things that don't matter most, that you have to get rid of. And that's a hard process for these people. And I'm not insensitive to the challenges that they have in front of them doing that. But I share that with you because I want you to think for a second. What are your essentials? What are the emotional pieces you're going to keep with you and everything else you could check at the door? Everything else doesn't matter. Because we know when our backs are against the wall, what matters most, our health and our family. And perhaps some people change the order. So is that what we walked in this room with? Thinking about those two things only? Or do we come in here thinking about business? Or about the vacation home? Or about our ROIs, return on investments this year, and what the market's going to do. Think about our philanthropy. This is the time to be spiritually clean, to not be hoarders, as we connect with God in our silent prayer on page 268 through page 278. And I want to remind all of you, as we're using this time to clear our minds, to say the prayer in Hebrew or English, whichever might be more comfortable for you, to use this time for your own meditation, reflection, and conversation with God. But equally important to remember that the people sitting next to you are cleaning out their cabinets. They're emptying their baggage. So please be respectful of them and try not to use this as a time for conversation with your neighbor.